his attention to his studies, and how she, feeling swift pity, had stood up to them, ten years old but sure of her own strength. She had stood in the schoolyard hurling stones with deadly accuracy. Leave him be! You hear me? You're all a bunch of... She had struggled for the word insulting enough. Pigs! After that, she had mothered him, the scholarly kid with the shiftless father. Some weakness in him had brought out the toughness in her, a ferocity that, as they had grown older, had turned to passion. He was hers, had always been. They both had known it and married in spite of the misgivings of her parents. And it seemed to her that each had what the other lacked, and that, she told herself, was what their marriage was about. Do I get a chance to meet this man? she asked, her voice heavy now with irony. This dream-seller? It's not a dream, Joanna. And yes, I want you to meet him. He can explain better than I can. So I asked him to supper tomorrow. Her temper flared. Without a word, without discussion, the entire course of her life had been altered. And now she had to cook supper for the man responsible. Nice of you to tell me, she snapped, then regretted her irritation when she saw Alex's face. It's all right. I'll make do, she said. Hadn't she always? And her mother before her? Hadn't she been the silent strength in their union, until now, with the coming of a stranger and his visions? Yet, in spite of herself, she was drawn into those visions. John McLeod, with the soft burr that made his speech alluring, and a practical streak that appealed, won her over by the time they'd finished supper. Land for the taking, he said, looking her straight in the eye. And a fortune to be made on cattle. The market is out there. The towns, the forts, the Indian reservations all want beef. The miners, too. What's needed are suppliers, and close at hand. The place I've found is made for cattle, so if they want beef, we'll give it to them. And it made sense, then. Now, looking out, she wondered if they'd all taken leave of their senses, if they'd come to this forlorn place only to dig their graves in the rocks and sand. It had been months since she'd gotten a letter from Alex, months of loneliness and the fear she attempted to smother before it blotted out reason. Suddenly, after a week of sleepless nights, she had made up her mind. Her place was beside Alex, wherever he was. With typical determination, she found a buyer for the farm, packed the things she needed or couldn't bear to leave, and sent off a note announcing her arrival. Now, with the arid land spread around her, the pale sky made paler by blowing dust, and the interior of the train car a smoke-filled oven, she wondered if she hadn't made an irrevocable mistake, cut her traces, left the overwhelming green of the hills for a seared plain. A husband vanished. And all the while the stranger watched her out of blue eyes, shadowed by the brim of his hat, a constant reminder that she was a lone woman, prey to advances in spite of the gold band on her finger— he had never seen a woman as lovely as this girl in her dark green traveling dress and a bonnet that framed her face like a pair of cupped hands. He would have liked to ask her questions, who she was, where she was going. But he was a gentleman, and she obviously was a lady brought up never to speak to strangers, even in a situation such as this, where the rules could be eased just a little. Formality dispensed with. Damn, it was awkward— the two of them facing one another, knees almost touching, the silence like a glass wall between them, while outside the land seemed to move, empty, 
unshaped by human hands, challenging, like a dare. And he'd never refused a dare in his life. That was why he was on his journey, in response to a call for help from his brother. He was needed, a fighter like all the men in his family, and ready for whatever challenges there were to be faced in this new country. He smiled to himself. Up to any challenge, was he? Why then hesitate to speak to his fellow passenger, regardless of the fact that she sat there guarding her virtue, refusing to meet his eyes, her shoulders set square under the green jacket? The engine lurched. A cloud of smoke and ash blew in through the open window, and Joanna dabbed at her eyes that filled with tears, her courage finally blotted out. Moved by the sight of her distress, he spoke before he thought. Don't cry, lass. Startled, irritated at the visible sign of her own weakness, she looked up. I'm not. That's good, then.